When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Welcome to Sustainable Success. Hope everyone's having a great month of January. It's hard to believe it's end of the month already. A full month of 2019 has gone by. We hope you've had a prosperous month of January as it continues to go forward for yourself. And again, you always get great content here each and every week here on Thursday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. East Coast time. Today we're going to have a great guest, but before we start with those that are new to Sustainable Success... Again, uh, not only can you find us on the Voice America Influencers channel, but also on Facebook at Sustainable Success 2017. That's Sustainable Success 2017. That's when the show uh, started. That's why we have 2017. And feel free to stop by and leave your comments, share some of your insights. We have all of our on-demand past episodes with many great guests sharing their wisdom and insights to help you take your business your personal life and relationships to all new levels. Again, check us out at Sustainable Success 2017. Also, the show is brought to you today by our sponsors. That's Empowered Fathers in Action, or also known as EFA Movement. Uh, This is a 501c3 organization uh, dedicated to strengthening the father-son bonding process by helping parents, most in this case fathers, to be better examples for their children so that their children can grow into adults to be free of limited beliefs so they can be better leaders in their homes, in their communities, and their businesses free from limited beliefs and higher self-confidence. Check them out at www.efamovement.org. That's www.efamovement.org. Also, uh, those uh, entrepreneurs and industry leaders that if you're looking to really – connect with the right people, and you're interested in philanthropy, check out City Summit City Gala. That will be next month in Burbank, California, February 20th through the 24th. Again, we encourage you to check it out at citygala.org. That's citygala.org. That will, the gala will be the evening of the Oscars. And again, we encourage you to, to uh, attend. It's a great event. You'll meet a lot of key industry uh, professionals business leaders, thought leaders, celebrities, athletes, and everybody that wants to give back. And I'm going to be there myself. I'll be speaking there. And uh, we look forward to seeing you. Again, citygala.org. Today, we're going to be discussing a topic that I feel is really relevant in today's uh, society. And this pertains to the senior market. And those that, that you're listening, these might be some things that you just want to kind of be aware of that you want to kind of see what this means to you personally, perhaps with your parents, grandparents, or people that you know, because uh, this the information that you're going to hear for today from this industry expert is going to be crucial. Uh, today's topic is Our Loved Ones Matter, and our guest today is going to be Phyllis Amon, and before we introduce her, I just want to give a brief bio about her. She is a speech and language pathologist who has worked in over 40 skilled nursing homes, and rehabilitation facilities and has been a staunch advocate for improved quality care 
and quality of life in the nursing home industry. She's the principal owner of PMA Speech Solutions, offering valuable consulting services, assisting families and individuals to become more informed, effective advocates for their loved ones. She's an outspoken proponent for the need for improved and more dignified models of long-term care and the important issues facing our elder citizens. She's also a regularly scheduled guest on the WGCHAM Greenwich Business Talk Radio and has become known as the voice of elder care advocacy. So again, you know, there is no one that's speaking up on this topic, and we're going to hear from her today. She's also on the board member of the Massachusetts Advocates for Nursing Home Reform, and she travels the country speaking on this subject and developing empathy training programs for nursing homes and beyond. And she also has some great news that she's going to share today about her new book coming out. And without further ado, we welcome Phyllis Amen to the show. Phyllis, how are you doing today? Great, Chris. Thanks for that great introduction, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure to have you here. And, you know, this is such a, you know, a critical topic when you talk about elder care and, you know, you hear some of the things that go on in the news and, and then you hear some of the other things, you know, try to kind of sort through some of the fluff that's going on and why people, you know, that are out there should really pay close attention especially when it comes to their loved ones. This could be someone's father, their mother, perhaps their grandparents, or someone that's close to them where they have a loved one that may be you know, at this juncture in their life. And this is something that people really need to be quite informed about when it comes to nursing home care and quality care and so forth. Talk a little bit about you know, what's really taking place here. Uh, sure. Well, ab- it's absolutely important um, as we know, the population is getting older, actually. And um, just to throw in some, some numbers, uh, by the year 2035, those over the age of 65 will outnumber those under the age of 18 in the United States. So it really is a concern because so many of our elder citizens are going to be older. And um, it's not only those that we think of that are very old, let's say, that, um, you know, you think of would be in a nursing home environment. But, you know, there are other situations that people don't anticipate. You know, somebody falls and breaks their hip or, you know, has a heart attack or a stroke. And before you know it, they need a situation where they have to be cared for outside of the home. And those are unanticipated events, and people are faced with them, and then they just don't know what to do. And so because of my experience in the nursing home industry, I thought it was so important that people should be aware of what the situation is really like in these facilities, in these environments, and um, because of that, they should be knowledgeable so they can advocate for their loved ones in a more effective way. You know, the landscape isn't such a pretty one, to be perfectly honest. It's a, lot of it, a lot of it is about profit and uh, less about care, and that's very unfortunate. And We want better for our, for our loved ones and for ourselves because we're going to be there before we know it. No, it's so true. And, it's, it, it, you know, there's so many facilities out there, right? And, and a lot of times, you know, it's just like with anything, you know, you, you see the brochure, you see the, what we call the chandelier effect, so to speak. And, you know, it's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of spin. But then in, in reality, 
it's not what it is. So a lot of times, you know, what you know, what can people do to really get around that so they don't, they're not misled to what they see, what they hear, and that type of thing? You know, that's such a great question. Um, by the way, uh, let me just explain what the chandelier effect is just for a yeah, moment. Yeah, please do, head. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know these, these facilities, I'll call them, a lot of them are owned by large corporations, and what they want to do is attract people where they're going to make the most money. I mean, it is a business. I'm not saying people shouldn't make money, but unfortunately, they kind of go about it the wrong way, so they build these... Uh, or they redesign the, the entrance ways. You know, it's almost like curb appeal when you're selling a house. And they put in these beautiful chandeliers, you know, in many cases. And they make them look very beautiful. And people are impressed by that. I, I'm sure we'd all be impressed by that if we walked in the door and saw that. And then um, in the event, let's say, where somebody's coming for short-term rehabilitation because they've come from the hospital with a broken hip or some other situation, they look at this short-term rehabilitation unit, and it's, it's made to look very beautiful, and people think they're going to get, you know, great care because everything, the surroundings look beautiful. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. So you have to be able to really look critically, be informed, ask questions, uh, have the information to ask the good questions, and... Um, you know, that will help you, I think, wade through some of those slick marketing brochures and, you know, slick talking uh, admissions personnel that take you on these tours. And uh, we could talk about some of those questions if you'd like. Yeah, please do. Let's, uh, and if we, for some reason, have to go to break, we could always continue after the, into the second segment. But feel free. Go ahead, Phyllis. Uh, sure. So uh, one of the most important questions uh, that people should ask, actually, is, you know, there's a law that every facility has to have a registered nurse on duty at least eight hours a day, seven days a week. A lot of states have um, registered nurses on duty more often than that, but some don't. And... Um, that's a very important question to ask because if they don't, it's actually a violation of law. And obviously, if they don't have a registered nurse at least eight hours a day, your loved one is probably not going to get the kind of care that they should get. So that's really one very important question. Um, I would say, um, you know, and just to add something to what I said before about short-term rehabilitation, you know, a a lot of people think that they don't need to look past the short-term rehabilitation unit because their loved one is going to sh- a short-term rehabilitation. But there have been studies that have shown that, you know, it's, it's a large percentage of people who go for short-term rehabilitation unexpectedly might wind up in another one of the units in a facility. They call it a long-term care unit for a variety of reasons. Could be insurance could be the home setting isn't ready for the person to go home, or it could be that the person really needs more extensive care than the family can offer. And so when a person goes to visit a facility, I always advise them, insist that they go look at the building beyond just the short-term care unit. Sometimes people might be reluctant to, to show people that, and the reason is because 
they build these short-term rehabilitation units to be very beautiful and accommodating with a lot of modernity and uh, high-end appeal. And then the long-term care units very often aren't looking like that. And then that gives you an idea of what they're really looking for. They're really looking to attract you, you know, for the most money they can get. And then their, their focus really isn't on so much on the people who are there for long-term care. And, and that's an important distinction, and you'd be able to readily see that, you know, in a moment. Yeah. How about anything else? Anything else that you can add for that? Um, in terms of, uh, I would also ask about staffing because yeah. uh, there have been a number of issues where um, facilities overestimate the amount of staff they have. It's a little harder to do it now because there's a law where the staffing that each facility has has to be reported on their payroll. So it's a little harder to get around that. But there still have been many facilities in the country that have uh, not staffed their, their facilities adequately on weekends. I would also say holidays and evenings. And um, you should ask what the staffing is on all of the days of the week. You know, of course, people may try to get around those questions, but that's a serious, serious violation. And we'll tell you also something about the care that your loved one is going to receive. Wow. Now tell me, like, for instance, like if somebody is going to, it's almost like if I were going to go buy a car, right? I'm going to go take a look at the car or a couple cars I'm interested in. And I'm going to test drive it. If, if someone is taking their loved one, no matter what age they are, whatever the case, whatever they're dealing with at the time, or if they're, you know, approaching that, you know, they'd be into a nursing home. What are some of the things to look for when, if they go to visit a nursing home? What are some of the things that should stand out for them as good signs and as some as bad signs? Well, I would also be very observant with how the uh, staff is interacting with the people that are already there, how they speak with them. If, if they seem to be paying attention to them when people are calling for assistance, if you go, you know, are, are doing a tour of the facility and you hear bells going off and going off for long periods of time and nobody's answering those bells, I would be very concerned about that. I would, um, you know, I would also be looking to see if people are just sitting, I would say, you know, we, we think of this as a hallmark of nursing homes, unfortunately. We've become a little numb to it. You know, just sitting there with a vacant vacant stare, not doing anything. Are people engaged? Are people talking to them? Are, they, are there activities going on? Does it seem to be an active environment? Or does it seem to be, um, you know, as I say, what we, we think of it as some of these environments, which are very more institutional and, and depressing and sad and, and, and people just sitting aimlessly. And that's really not what should be happening. Mm, so true. And, and so, you know, the people, you know, they have choices. And, you know, how about like different facilities, right? You know, there's obviously going to be facilities that cater to certain types of special needs, so to speak. And, you know, should that be also important for people to know, thinking like, you know, it's not one size fits all? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, um, you know, people try to pretend that, that they can accommodate, you know, a wide range of uh, 
individuals with a, a wide range of difficulties, but that is not always the case. You know, one of the things that I would ask or encourage people to ask is if the facility has a, a, we call it a memory care unit or a dementia unit for people who have Alzheimer's. And um, the reason I I say that is because um, if a person is going into a building, in all likelihood, there are going to be some people who have different levels of confusion, some more advanced than others. That's also one of the hallmarks of, of this type of environment. And you would want to know if that the building has a, a unit that's dedicated to caring for people who have those kinds of difficulties and are, um, you know, if they have special activities for them, if they're focused on that, or if it's just, you know, people are kind of mingled, you know, throughout the facility and then they're not getting the kind of specialized attention and care that they need. Wow, that's true. And, you know, what, what would typically, you know, we have less than two minutes for us to the break. So kind of like provide a summary for the listeners as to maybe a, you know, like a checklist, a, like a maybe a, just a brief process, how to go about gathering this information to, you know, conduct this due diligence. Well, you know, I would say uh, to get at least uh, two or three, four probably facilities that they were considering, I would go to visit them, and I would actually um, look up reviews, not the Nursing Home Compare website, that's something we could talk about, which is a star rating system that isn't really the most accurate, but I would look up reviews, because to tell you the truth, people are starting to really write reviews about what's going on in facilities in a very specific way, and someone reading those would get an idea in in a moment about what kind of care their loved one would expect to receive. Well, that's that's great. I mean, that's so critical. And it's so important that people have this information, not only what they hear on perhaps TV or in the media or what's online, but they get this other side of it. And this is where you come in as an advocate, a staunch advocate, and really really providing people unbiased information that allows them to draw their own conclusions. I think that's so critical and it's so, so needed, you know, not only here, but in so many different things, but this is so, so important. I mean, there has just been a lot of things, a lot of issues that have taken place in this particular area. A lot of times they go unreported or they're not uh, out there in the news, but yet, you know, if people had this information up front, from people like yourself that really understand this industry and what you know what to look for, what's best for their loved ones, it can make a huge, huge difference. Um, again, you're listening to Phyllis Amen. She is the voice of elder care advocacy. Uh, if you're just joining us, she's been sharing some uh, brief insights to what to look for in nursing homes for your loved ones, whether uh, if they are senior citizens or someone going through some rehabilitation at this time. And again, uh, you're listening to Sustainable Success, and we'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. 
Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back to Sustainable Success. Uh, We're here with Phyllis Amen, the voice of elder care advocacy. Our topic today is Our Loved Ones Matter. Again, if you're just joining us and you have someone in your family or someone close to you that is looking at nursing homes or rehabilitation care centers, this is the place to be. Listen in. Uh, Phyllis, again, is an expert in this particular area, and she had laid out a process in the first segment of some things that we could do to conduct due diligence on those facilities that would best serve our loved ones. Again, you could check that out on demand uh, later today. So, Phyllis, getting back to where we had left off in the first segment, let's to talk to let the the listeners know a little bit about what are the different models of care or maybe levels of care, so to speak, when it comes to this particular area? Sure, okay. Well, you know, I'm sure a lot of people um, see, you know, television ads especially, um, you know, these days about keeping people at home, which is a wonderful concept, um, you know, uh, and uh, this way people can remain in their own homes and can help at home, which is, a, you know, everybody wants to stay in their own home as long as they can. And um, then there are some other models that are being developed, which are, you know, more private kinds of group settings um, that are 
I think they're privately owned, most of them, where they may have about five or six, and, and so I think it varies by state, maybe up to ten people yep. living in a home uh, that kind of live in a more cooperative setting and they need minimal assistance, but it's also a more home-like in, environment. And, of course, there are assisted living um, facilities that, you know, a lot of people are, you know, very... Um, knowledgeable about and it's it's commonplace uh, nowadays it's actually interesting how that started which you know is back in you know uh, the 90s actually um, by by this woman who started it for her mother which is uh, an interesting concept uh, her mother had a stroke and and she needed a place um, for her to live, and she was unhappy with the nursing home she was in. The gal was a student at the time in college. And, um, you know, when she finally got out and, and um, became a professional, she went about, um, you know, obtaining funds and, and built facilities to accommodate people like her mother. And these were the precursors of the first assisted um, living facilities, and that was in 1993. So, you know, it, it goes back quite a while. You know, some of the most interesting ones I've found um, in recent years, and I've had an opportunity to visit a few of them, uh, there um, there are two of them in Boston in particular that I I really loved visiting. Uh, Both are award-winning places. Uh, One is called the Leonard Florence uh, Center for Living, and the other one is called Chelsea Jewish Nursing Home. And uh, Leonard Florence Center for Living is based on something called the Greenhouse Project, and it it really is quite a remarkable um, design uh, based on something called the Greenhouse Project, which is started by a doctor, actually. And um, these are it is a, it's a building, it's a facility. Um, but it's really more like a living environment. It's it's not set up like the, you know, kind of institutional-like uh, setting a regular nursing home is. People really live like a, in a family setting. They have their individual rooms. There's a common area, and it's a much more dignified, respectful environment where people interact, where, um, you know, staff members interact and um you know, people are really living a, a more purposeful, dignified, and respectful life as they advance through the years, and it's really something beautiful to see. It just goes to show with the right mindset that that certainly can be accomplished. And um, an, another building in, in Boston, which is similar, is called uh, Chelsea Jewish Nursing Home. And interestingly enough, that was... A typical nursing home, and the the, the administrator's mother had been in that facility, and when he saw what had become of her in a few days, he was horrified. And uh, he took her home, and he actually raised the money to build this Lennon Florence Center for Riving, but then went back and remodeled the original nursing home where his mother was, and I went to visit it, and I have to say... When I was leaving, I said I could see myself living here if, if I had to be in this kind of environment. It was it was also very special, very different. You didn't see people, you know, sitting aimlessly, staring out the windows. The staff was engaged with people. People, you know, seemed to be active. They have, you know, a spa. They have massages. They have. Um, 
you know, a range of activities. They have a coffee shop. I mean, it, it's more like a, a, a normal living environment. And, um, and they take all kinds of insurances. So if people think these, you know, an environment like this could only be for those that are very wealthy, that's really not the case. The, the Medicare, Medicaid, private insurances, they all pay for these, uh, these environments as well. It, it's really beautiful to see, I have to say. It just takes the right mindset, and so I think when people are visiting a traditional nursing homes, if they're knowledgeable about these other models, these are uh, things they should keep in their mind and questions they should ask and things they should be looking at in terms of the activities that are provided, how are they going to keep people engaged, um, what are people going to, what, what is the facility going to do as people become more bored or, you know, deal with loneliness. These are hallmarks of nursing homes, home existence. Yeah. This, this has to be addressed. No, absolutely. I have, absolutely. And it sounds like these, uh, those places that you just described, you know, they could be obviously, you know, benchmarks for other facilities. I mean, what do you, I mean, you kind of alluded again, it, it's a business, but you know, what do you feel? Why do you feel like there are some places out there that, Really, you know, it, 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 it's a pleasant experience, and then some other areas, it's just clearly not. I mean, what do you think, it, where's the breakdown? Does it come down to the ownership, uh, you know, lack of resources? What, what, would, what would be something to kind of look, at, look out for in that case? Well, I would say it's about ownership. Um, you know, there are over 15,000 nursing homes in this country, and um, – What's happened is it's become a very corporate environment. I call it the corporatization of the nursing home industry. So a lot of these facilities are being bought up by large corporations. And clearly, you know, their goal is to make money. And so, therefore, I I think that the the profit motive has outweighed um, and taken precedence over the care aspect of the business, and, and that's very unfortunate. Like I said, uh, people should make money if they're in a business to make money, but they're in the taking care of people business, and therefore that really should be the first priority, not taking care of the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, this is kind of where the breakdown is. That, and that there, you know, there, there are loopholes in the system that allow people to do that, like in any system. And it's up to us as consumers, because we're consumers, it's a healthcare business, so we're consumers of healthcare to be aware of that and to insist on better. I think, you know, it comes down to, again, it comes down to human beings first, human capital, the people that work in those facilities, you know, they can't be a, a better servant or a better example for the, the, the people that, uh, you know, that are there unless they are treated in a certain way. And I think it's just like kind of a, a way of shifting that whole uh, how they do things, and a lot of times, you know, it, you know, they may think that cutting corners produces profits, but I don't see it as sustainable. And I think at some point there's going to be op- more options out there, and and those that really have a bad reputation or taking shortcuts are going to lose business. You know, maybe not in the short term, but definitely the long term. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I believe that that's why these alternative models like these independent living houses um, are are springing up because people realize that they're not getting the kind of care and attention 
that they should be getting when they go into one of these environments. You know, I think that all of us, you know, you know, who are in the position where we have to find an alternative living environment for our loved ones uh, are doing it, you know, hoping that our loved ones will, you know, receive the best care possible. And um, that's not what's happening, and and that's 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 what the issue is. And you know, I think people feel that they're they have no choice, but we do have a choice. We, we yeah, have that's a choice it. to speak up and speak out and insist insist on better. I mean, it, it, I you mean, know, it's human nature that we want to trust people. We want to trust what we see, what we hear. But at the same token, the reality is that's not always the case. So the only way we can make a sound decision that's best for us or best for our loved ones is to gather this information, conduct this due diligence and all, all this whole process that you talked about so far today to allow them to make a sound decision that's best for them. I think, you know, and it's not that they're obligated to one particular place or a few places. They have options. It's a matter of seeking out people like yourself to let them know what what's out there. And what what is the you know what's a, a more uh, a better process to go about doing this so that uh, people are not saying well I don't have time to do it I don't have time to research it so I'm just going to trust what they said and go with this source so to speak. Well, yes, I, I mean I think you're right, but I don't think people do that out of um, you know any other motivation other other than like you say they don't have the time or they don't know. Um, yeah. I don't think it's for any other reason. You know, um, uh, someone I knew about a year ago when I was talking to him about what I was doing, he uh, said something to me, and it made such perfect sense to me. He said, you know, when I was looking for a college to put my son, I, I went out and I hired somebody who was able to navigate this, this, this area for me and my wife, um, you know, whether it was for scholarships or funding or applications or, or, you know, waiting through the material, what would be best suited for him. And um, he said, you know, people don't do this for their loved ones. And they they really should because how many people really know about this? You, you really don't unless you've had some personal experience with it or know somebody who has had personal experience. I know for myself that when I speak with people and tell them what I'm doing, they, every almost every other person I know has had a story. Uh, even younger people, they'll say, "Oh, their grandmother or their great grandmother," and this was the experience. And and most of the stories I hear, unfortunately, are not positive ones, and they're all the same, and they're all from different areas of the country. So, uh, you know, that says a lot. I, I think you know, just going back to something I said in the first segment. When you asked me about uh, what people could look for, and I told people to look at reviews, I think another important thing for people to look for and to to press when they go to look for a facility is, who owns this place? You know, what's the name of the company that owns this this particular facility? Um, You know, people might be uh, uh, reluctant to say, sometimes there's a sign that says, you know, who owns this particular building? Uh, because that's another thing you could do is is really look up that company's reputation, the deficiencies, yeah. how many buildings they own. Uh, that information is out there. It's public knowledge. That's so true. We now we have less than uh, you know four less than four minutes to the break. 
Phyllis, let's talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some specific type care. You know, a lot of times, you know, Alzheimer's is obviously on, on an increase. Uh, this is an issue that, that obviously plagues a lot of seniors. And, you know, talk a little bit about that particular area, what, you know, some things to look for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you asked me about that. Um, I brought up, you know, a little bit about, uh, you know, buildings that have an Alzheimer's unit. Sometimes they call it a dementia unit or a memory care unit. And I would think one very, very important question that people should ask, in addition to how are people engaged and what kinds of activities are for people who are confused, and I would say what activities do they have as people become increasingly confused, and how do they manage behaviors of people who are confused and and sometimes act out um, out of fear, um, distress, you know, anxiety could be a host of issues. You know, there's there's a, a very uh, unfortunate situation where where they're using antipsychotic medications to as a, as a kind of restraint and and to have people. Um, I I I hate to use the word docile, but you know, to become more docile and more compliant, and therefore not present you know difficulties as they consider it to staff people, but on the other hand, um, you know, if they really paid attention to what was behind some of these behaviors, I'm sure that it can be dealt with in a, in a much more empathetic and effective fashion. So I would think that something that's important to ask is, what is the percentage of antipsychotic medication use in any building that you go to? The average is 20%. Um, Certainly, you would want it to be under that. It's it's a little under that for short-term rehabilitation, but it's almost 33% for long-term care units, and that's very, very unfortunate. Um, that's a very, very critical element. You certainly don't want your loved one being prescribed medication that they don't need, especially dangerous antipsychotic medications that really could eventuate, unfortunately, in death uh, for people who don't need it. So how, how a specialty care is managed, what kind of education do those people have, are they, are they, how often are they trained or educated, and that includes every person on that unit who interacts with people that have any level of confusion, whether it's a person from laundry or housekeeping or maintenance or food service. Everybody should really be knowledgeable in how to care and respond to someone who's confused. Well, I would say it, that's very important for people to know. No, I, I strongly believe. I mean, I mean, this the, these different models are very, very important. What you talked about, what to look out for, and you know, again, listeners, you know, if you're listening in, again, this this is all going to be on demand later today. Uh, you can uh, download this anytime, listen to it anytime. Again, there's a wealth of information that Phyllis is leaving here. And again, uh, you're going to learn later where you can find her to contact her for more information because she does work with individuals uh, and families uh, in terms of setting up strategies and plans to, you know, uh, put, to, you know, to make the process a lot smoother because this is not something that's easy. Uh, I know for a fact, uh, you know, I remember dealing with this with a, a family member uh, a few years ago. Um, even though I wasn't directly involved, I, I could see the 
the time commitment and and everything that was involved and in and in today's society we just don't sometimes have that time there's a lot of things going on but we want to make sure our loved ones are taken care of so again uh, you can listen to this on demand later today again you're listening to Phyllis Amon voice of elder care advocacy sustainable success radio show we'll be right back after the break What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people in businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back to Sustainable Success. Again, uh, we're listening to Phyllis Amen, the voice of Elder Care Advocacy. Our topic today is Our Loved Ones Matter. So, Phyllis, I wanted where we left off, I wanted to ask you, and I'm sure the listeners would like to know, I mean, baby boomers now, they're more than ever. And these are going to be people that in the next few years, maybe 10, 20 years, that are going to be uh, entering into the nursing homes at some point. Not say everybody, but the population is rising. You're going to have some issues here with this influx of people. What can we what, what what are we looking at here and how can we be proactive to offset any particular issues here if we address something now? 
Well, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I'm glad you asked that question. You know, um, there are about 1.7 million people in over 15,000 nursing homes um, in the country now, which is, you know, maybe doesn't seem like a lot, but the reality is, as I mentioned before, you know, by 2035, the over 65 population will outnumber the under 18 population. And, uh, you know, there's a statistic that says that 52% of people um, over the age of 65 will need some type of long-term care at some point in time. And one in four people will spend some time in either, you know, in a short-term skilled nursing facility. So, you know, that's quite an alarming statistic, Um in addition to the increasing, you know, population for Alzheimer's, which we discussed in the previous segment, um, you know, in 2018, um, I believe it's uh, the statistic is that 5.7 million people have um, Alzheimer's disease. 5.5 million of those are over 65, but 200,000 are, are less than 65. And the estimate is that by 2050, there'll be 16 million people in the country with Alzheimer's disease. So that's, that's really, those are alarming numbers. And, and that's why we have to be particularly concerned about the kind of care that our loved ones are going to receive as they get older. Yeah, it's so so important because I mean I mean these are things that again if we're if we have people like yourself that are able to you know see these particular issues that could happen and that or it's a matter of time when they happen that if we could be proactive come up with certain strategies to help help offset that or to alleviate the process you know for the nursing home industry and then also for people that will be, you know, at that time, be those people that are going to be looking at nursing homes. So, you know, yeah. is there going to be a, a, a large demand or is there going to be a large supply or, or whatever? You know, you know, uh, you know, we talk about, there's always talk about cuts in Medicare and, you know, those kinds of social program and, and funding at that level. You know, in 2015, the long-term care expenditure was $225 billion. Um, that's, that's quite a bit of money. So is that, is that money being well spent? Um, maybe not in all cases. Maybe in, in, a, in, I don't want to say a large majority of the cases, but certainly a goodly number of the cases, you know, in, in those facilities, a lot of that money is going into the hands of owners and not really going for the care of the people that are living there and dependent on that system for care. And that's why it's so important that we really look at this and demand better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's people like yourself that, again, that have that ability to kind of foresee, you know, what's going to happen and be able to kind of lay out certain things that are going to allow people to kind of, you know, recognize those particular, those issues and what are some things they could do now that could help benefit them now going forward? So, so, so true. So, you know, that being said, Phyllis, I mean, you have a book that's coming out or is out uh, overdue. And, and I, you know, let's talk a little bit about the book because this is a book that really has been in a, a long time, you know, in the making. Not Well, not a long time in the making for you, but in essence for the message itself getting out here because we really haven't had 
a voice in this area. And this is some, this is a role, you know, that you took on and said that, you know, you're going to make a difference and talk a little bit about some of the insights, what we can expect from, from the book Overdue. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so the, the the full title of the book is Overdue Quality Care for Our Elder Citizens. And uh, what I really lay out in the book is, uh, you know, why it's important, just as we've discussed, you know, during the show, why it's important for us to be concerned about the care that our elder citizens are receiving, because unfortunately, some of the care is not great, and and that is what I provide in the book, information about that. Not only information about the system, but I have, you know, first-hand personal account stories and stories from my colleagues of how some of the issues play out for our loved ones. And my feeling is that as people read this book, if they've had any experience with anyone in one of these settings, they're going to be able to have heard a story similar or know of a story like that, or had their own story like that, uh, just as I have encountered when I've spoken to people. And I think that it will really drive home the the issues that I'm, you know, bringing to light about how the system functions and why it's not functioning in the best interest of our loved ones. Wow. So that's one aspect of the book, yeah. And um, in yeah, talk about that, talk about all that. Talk about the other aspects. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, so I, I certainly, you know, bring light to bring light to those issues, and I talk about some specifics, uh, some specific areas that people really need to know about um, that will, I think, be helpful in providing that specific information. Whether it's you know the state survey process or the star rating system that people could look up on the Nursing Home Compare website. That's the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has this website that lists nursing homes and, you know, they have star ratings, five being the highest, and I kind of um, give information about why that's not always the most reliable, and I think people need to know that so they could look at that with a, you know, a uh, more careful eye rather than just taking, you know, five stars for granted and saying, you know, this is a great place, you know, (laughs) because that's unfortunately not how it really goes. And then I talk about these, uh, I go into detail about these other models of care that are available and um, so that people can be advocating and looking for these things in the buildings where they are looking that, you know, don't fall into one of these categories can, but can maybe start to insist on some of these um, these programs. You know, there's, there's one program that I really talk about for Alzheimer's in particular, but it's also for physically impaired, um, those that are physically impaired. And it's called um, uh, Music and Memory, and it's a wonderful program about bringing music to people who are, you know, have Alzheimer's or physically challenged. It really helps. I mean, there's a lot of research about it. There was a movie about it called Alive Inside, and I talk about it in the book. And, um, you know, just as an example, I've, I've been into many buildings and suggested this program to them, asked them if they have the program, and a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, so, you know, providing information in a book that has widespread readership, hopefully that will have more people asking about these things and advocating for these things. Um, my, my last chapter is about systemic versus grassroots advocacy and how, we, how to go about and 
why it is important for us to really develop advocacy as a grass on a grassroots level so that we can really bring these issues to the forefront of our national conversation. You know, there are advocacy groups out there, and I write about them in the book as well. There are a number of systemic advocacy organizations that work to, um, uh, I'll say, pressure, you know, federal agencies for different kinds of legislation. Unfortunately, on the other side of it, the owners where the money is have lobbyists that are also, you know, advocating for what they want, and very often those two things are at odds. Uh, and sometimes they went out, unfortunately. So I believe, you know, these organizations exist, but a lot of people don't know about them. I mean, I work in an industry, and when I started research for my first book, which was came out in December 2017, Nursing Homes to Rehabilitation Centers, What Every Person Needs to Know, not one person that I spoke to knew anything about any of these advocacy organizations. So, you know, my goal here is to drive these issues home to people. They could talk about them to become a national voice and to bring this from, you know, the level of percolating underneath the surface to, to bringing it out into the, into the light and really discussing it like we do many other difficulties and areas in this country that, you know, started out as a movement that was, kind of underneath the surface, but it took people talking about it for it to develop, you know, a national, you know, a national level of focus. Well, this is fantastic. I mean, this is definitely a book that just has a lot in it that offers, I mean, it's just, it's more than just a resource, right? You, you mentioned that because you talked about a movement. This has to be a movement because with anything, if change is going to take place for the good where it benefits, let's say, the nursing homes in terms of business, it benefits the communities, it benefits people, which is really what's most important here. It, it requires a movement. And here is a book that is not just a resource, but really provides a message that kind of is getting that, you know, creating that wave, so to speak, you know, that wave that's going to get people to kind of get outside of themselves to really recognize what's important and to kind of ride that wave and, you know, and, and do great things. Like you're, you're bringing empathy into the equation and, you know, empathy plays an important role in any type of significant change. Uh, with that being said, you know, I wanted to also talk a little bit about empathy. You know, we have about uh, four minutes till we close out the show and I want to leave a couple minutes so we can let people know where to find the book also, a little bit about yourself. So in the next couple of minutes, Phyllis, talk a little bit about empathy and why this is so important, especially in this, in this particular area. Uh, yeah, well, empathy, you know, relating to somebody in a way that, makes, that validates how they're feeling and making them feel that, that you understand it because you can relate to it in some way goes such a long way. In, in not only in communication, but in helping a person feel comfortable, feel cared for, feel like they have a voice, that somebody's listening to them, you know, oftentimes that is really not the case. And, um, you know, empathy, so much about empathy is really about communication. 
you know, taking the time to listen to somebody, look them in the eyes, maybe, you know, putting putting your hand on their shoulder, giving them a gentle touch, smiling and listening and, and letting them know that you care about what they're saying, that their needs are important, uh, that that they, they are important. You know, so many times people in nursing homes feel like, you know, that nobody cares about them, that they're just there. They're just a body. And yeah. so that's why empathy is so, so very important. Um, you know, I had uh, I had seen a, um, where was it? it oh, it was, on, um, it was on a program, and I think it was on The View or something, and it was uh, Megan McCain before her, you know, before uh, Senator McCain had passed away, and she was talking about his cancer, and Joe Biden happened to be a, a guest that day, and I, I, I cited in the book as such a great example of empathy, uh, you know, where he came, he sat down next to her, he looked her in the eye, he, you know, his son died of the same disease, he put his arm around her, and... Um, you know, really consoled her in a way that was so touching. And if people connect with people in that way, if we all connect with people in that way, it it really goes so far in helping people feel validated and, and you know, that their concerns are, are important. And that's something that I, I feel very strongly about, not only in nursing homes, but really in business. We just all need to connect with people yeah. in a better way. I know we're all absorbed into our own issues, but... Every one of us has an issue that's probably the next person has is very similar. We think they don't, but they do, you know? So that's an area that's, I feel, vitally important and missing. Uh, like I said, not only in nursing homes, but, you know, in, in yeah. general in our society. Well, Phyllis, we have we have about about a minute and a half to be, uh, for the show. I want to let people know, where can they find you? You know, where can they find you? Where can they find the book once it's out? Um, and in any other information that could, you know, help them? Uh, sure. Well, the book, I'm sure, will, you know, the book is uh, will be on Amazon.com, obviously. Um, it will be on Barnes & Noble. Um, and um, also, uh, you know, Phyllis, uh, people can reach me at Phyllis, P-H-Y-L-L-L-L-I-S, at voiceforeldercare.com. And um, the website is voiceforeldercare.com. Um, and if people go there, there'll be a link to the book. Uh, there'll be information about the summary of the book, you know, my bio. And, you know, there'll be a place where, you know, people can um, probably, you know, there'll be a link to my email so people can email me questions or comments Um you know, I'd love to hear from people, you know, hear their stories. And, um, you know, I, I people can also, uh, there'll be a phone number on the website where people will be able to reach me as well. So if people want to get in touch with me by phone, they'll be able to do that. That also, I, I'd love to, you know, to hear yeah, from people yeah. and hear their stories and experiences. And if I could provide some help to them in any way, I'd be, I'd be happy to do so. Well, thank you so much, Phyllis, for joining us today here at Sustainable Success. We greatly appreciate you and all the great things that you're doing to help not only seniors, but, you know, our human beings in general. And this is such a critical area. Again, uh, audience, we always thank you each and every week for joining us here on Thursdays. Again, 
You can uh, join us each and every Thursday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. East Coast time, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And again, we'll be back here next Thursday with another great guest that's sharing their insights and wisdom to certain topics that are relevant to your success in business, wealth, relationships, and your personal well-being. And again, everyone have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.